you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you're using the Bible, you've got on the way in. It's page 942. If you need a Bible, take it. It's our gift to you. Or if you need one for someone else, take it. It's our gift. Uh, you know, use them. Give them out. Read them. It's awesome. But page 942, Romans chapter 8. And the title for today is No Guilt Trips. No Guilt Trips. This may be... May, well, we've had a lot of important sermons, but this is really big. This is really big. Really, really, really big. Uh, so, first of all, you know Halloween's coming up, and uh, lots of horror. You ever watch any movie, any TV, all these movies pop up, commercials, horror movies, and which I hope you don't watch the horror movies. Uh, I don't like scary movies. Uh, I got lots of scary stories myself, you know, you know, spiritually. But I used to tell scary campfire stories. I used to do that when I was uh, in, you know, high school and college. And, uh, and I had this group of young kids that would like follow me around. I was like the Pied Piper of our you know, neighborhood. They were, they were always over. There's these three brothers. They were actually Wilson. Three Wilson. We called them the Wilson brothers. Then across the road, Craig. And, uh, and then there's some other friends, Marty across the road. And then there's some other friends. They were, they were always hanging out around the farm. And my dad was starting to shush them away. And I, they, they all hung out with me and followed me around. I was like maybe Say I'm 20 and they're all like eight, you know, and I'm still surrounded by kids, right? As you know, it's prophetic, right? But anyway, I did a lot of fun things with them. And one time I said, do a camp out. We had a woods and I said, well, get all your stuff, bring a blanket or a sleeping bag. We didn't use tents. That's for babies. And I said, uh, well, well, we'll get the, we'll get a fire and we'll do hot dogs and marshmallows, s'mores, all that stuff. So they all came. We're doing this whole fire, campfire thing. It was at night, really dark. And so I said, okay, you ready to hear some stories? They couldn't wait to hear the stories. Well, listen, you know I tell stories, right? Yeah, I can tell a story. They, they thought they'd be these basic stories. I came up with some good ones, some good ones. And, uh, and I remember telling the one, <laughs> it was about this, about this, about a woman who, you know, had her eyes taken out. And so she was looking for campfires to take people's eyes out. Where's my eyes? Yeah, you know, one of those, one of those, you know, one of these crazy ones, right? So I, I made most of it up. And so I get to the part about the lady looking for campfires. And if she sees a campfire, that's where she goes to find the little kids to poke their eyes out, you know, you know, take it out. And as I'm hitting the climax, my brother Todd had the dogs and he was coming down to join us at the campfire. So as I'm telling this part, all of a sudden you hear this crunch, crunch, crunch and the dogs running and, you know, and, and I go, and there she is. And they freaked out. I mean, when I say they freaked, you, they freaked out, you know? They went crazy. They were crying and screaming and, and jumping up and down. And, and here's my brother, Todd, came walking up. What's going on? <laughs> and, and they're already gone. They went running because I had driven the truck down the lane because it was about a half a mile down. I, they all jumped into the cab of the truck, locked the doors. They went, nobody go, guys, it's just Todd with a dog. No, we're not. No, it's the lady. It's the lady. And they were freaking out. I could not convince them. I finally gave up. I, you know. Grabbed the blankets and threw them in the back of the truck. Drove them back up to the house. Went in the house and, I, and my mom was like 11, 11:30 at night. She goes, "What are you doing in the house?" And I'm like, "Well, they're scared." I told them a story. Get outside! You're not coming in the house with all these kids, you know. So we had to go sleep out in the yard. We set up everything in the yard. We're sleeping, and I'm like, and they're still crying and freaking out. And I'm like, guys, I made it up. It's not true. It's not true. They go, and I remember they go, "Why did you have to tell us that story? Why did you have to tell us that story?" They were so traumatized. They were so upset and i was traumatized too because i didn't get any sleep leaving that stupid yard you know it was crazy with all the dogs and stuff so last week 
we saw that we are all spiritually traumatized. Remember Romans chapter 7? We're all spiritually traumatized by scary sin and the effects of sin. But we don't have to be. We just have to believe the truth. Just like I was trying to convince these guys of the truth, they just had to believe me. It's just Todd and the dogs. You know, there was no lady out there, you know, looking for campfires. And, and so they, they just had to believe the truth, and that's the same with us. We just have to believe the truth and then live it. We don't have to live these traumatized, scared lives that we live so often, right? So, quick review. We're in the book of Romans. We saw the unrighteous world, how that we can now be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We saw the righteous results that we've been looking at. We're free from sin. We're free from the law and the negative effects of sin. We saw that. But as we saw last week in Romans chapter 7, we are still in a painful struggle with our old sinful self. Remember, if you missed that, go back and listen because it's all laid out there. We especially saw Romans 7.24. In Romans 7.24, it says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And we saw that the Romans would strap the dead body on someone and, and they would rot to death. The condemned person would rot to death. And, and, that, and that's, that's what we are experiencing spiritually. We're battling this this dead, rotting body. It's a spiritual horror movie, but what? We ended up with verse 25, and I said, there's our good news. Wait for next week. In verse 25, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the rescue story. We get to Romans chapter, we get a glimpse of hope, and then the Holy Spirit brings us into Romans chapter 8 now, in the next few weeks, and we're going to see how we can live free in Jesus Christ. How we can live free. Well, there's battles going on, but we don't have to. We just have to know the truth and live it. We can live free in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the worship. Thank you for each person who's here today or watching somewhere or listening somewhere. Whenever Whenever they're doing that, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Because this is a vital, vital verse. Romans 8, 1. It, it's, there's probably nothing more important for living our, the Christian life than this verse. I pray that your Holy Spirit would drive it home. And if anybody has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that today would be the day they're set free in Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay, one verse. I could only get through one verse. I was playing on 17. I never got past the first one. There's a lot to chew on. This is powerful. We find the first key in Romans 8. The first key to spiritual victory is in the first verse. Verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This one packs a punch. Now, remember last week we talked about spiritual gravity. Remember spiritual gravity? That's what holds us back, things that holds us back, things that weigh us down. And one of the worst weights that Christians carry that holds us back from moving forward in our spiritual life is, is condemnation. Condemnation. That's the, one of the main gra- spiritual gravities is condemnation. Now, remember, we talked about this many times. That con- Forget condemnation for a minute. Conviction. Conviction is from God. God doesn't condemn Christians. He convicts us, right? He convicts us. And the goal of conviction is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
That is the goal of conviction, to get us to con- confess our sins, to get us to repent of them and to confess them and, and to be done with those sins. That's the whole goal of the Holy Spirit when he, he convicts us. I hope you have that one memorized. Also, Hebrews 4.16, which we said many times, uh, in Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, so we, we come we come to God's throne of grace to, to get mercy and grace. Mercy, forgiveness, and grace, strength to fight whatever battles we're fighting, whatever temptations we're fighting, whatever it is. And then the whole goal is we come to God and we receive the mercy and then we're given the grace and then we get up and go again. We get back into the battle. We get back into the race. We get back into the fight, right? We get back into that. That's the whole goal. But condemnation is something very different. Condemnation is not from God. God does not condemn his children. He never condemns his children. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you are here and never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be judged. You will be judged. Now and forever you will be judged. In the Hebrews 12:31, it says this. It says, "It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God." It's a horrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, never had your sins washed away by coming to the cross, and never received a new life through the Holy Spirit, you are facing judgment now and forever. You're you're one breath from hell. You're one heartbeat from, from, from judgment. But you don't have to be. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ, which we're going to talk about later. Don't worry, we're coming back to it, okay? But the moment, now here you go, but the moment, if you're a Christian, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you never have to fear God's condemnation again. Did you know that? The moment you say, I put, the moment you truly Put your faith in Jesus. Say, God, I don't want my sin anymore. I repent of it. I turn away from it. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin so that I could have a relationship with you again and and be right with you again. And I put my faith in him, my trust in him. I give my life to you, God. The moment you do that, you never have to fear God's condemnation again. Discipline? Oh, yeah. There's discipline. But condemnation? No. Although at times it will sure feel like judgment, won't it? <laughs> Sometimes God's discipline does feel like judgment to us, doesn't it? But, but, uh, but I have Christians all the time say, I feel like God is judging me. No, God is not judging you. He, you're a Christian, right? Yeah. So you're not being judged. You are being disciplined. Disciplined. Hebrews 12, 7 says this. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father. God loves us and disciplines us. He's preparing us for eternity. He's, he's preparing us. Uh, he's sanctifying. Just like he saved us, he wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us holy. So he, he disciplines us to get us to repent. Repent is when you're doing something wrong, you're going the wrong direction, or, you know, turns us around or going the other way. That's repent. He wants to get us to repent to turn away from something, sin or wrong attitude or character issue, whatever it is, he wants to re- us to repent, and then he wants to refine us. After we repent, then God refines us. He corrects whatever in our life, that character issue, whatever is holding us back, whatever needs to be taken care of. And God, you get that? He, we repent, but then he's going to refine us. He uses the discipline to re- get repent and refine us 
That repentance is quick, but refining is <laughs> could take a while, especially whatever is how deep it is. And God is the master surgeon. He's the master surgeon. He knows exactly what to use and how long to use it. You know what I'm talking about? He's got a tool in his toolbox for every one of us. You know, he knows exactly what to use and how to get through to us and how to, to discipline us. He knows that. When I was uh, growing up, we uh, growing up on the farm, cow, cows with horns. You've all seen the westerns, the long horns, you know. Well, cows with horns are very, very dangerous on a farm. Uh, it, 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 they're dangerous. In fact, my great, great grandfather, Jones Ebenezer Sherwood, who lived on my very farm, one of the first ones to ever live on that farm. He, uh, I think we have a picture. You have that picture? Uh, here's Jones Ebenezer Sherwood. All right. Uh, he, uh, he was actually the farmer on that farm. And one time one of the ox fl- turned a, flick of, a, a, a fly away and caught him in the eye and, and wounded his eye. He was basically blind in one eye. Didn't, didn't lose the eye, but he was blinded in that eye. He couldn't see. Then uh, Civil War started, and he was drafted. They don't care if you have one eye or not. You know, you're going to go into fighting the war. So he went into the Civil War. He was drafted uh, in the Union Army, and he was uh, captured in the Battle of the Wilderness. If you know anything about the Civil War, that was the, probably the, one of the most, probably the worst battle. People were burned to death and wounded. It was just horrible, right in the middle of this wilderness woods. And he was captured, and from there he was taken to the notorious Andersonville Prison, where he died. Where he died. So, that's my grandfather, great great grandfather, uh, Jones Ebenezer Sherwood. All right. And uh, so what would happen is these these cows would injure each other or they would injure people. And so they started cutting their horns off. They had to get the horns off. It was brutal, bloody business to take the horns off. But later on, they figured out something much later on. They figured out something called dehorning. And they would take this hot iron, like a cone iron, and they would heat it up. And then they would they would you, you would burn the horns off of the calf. When they were younger, ideals would do it when they were younger, before the horns got big. Just they, when they were just nubs, and they would they would start dehorning them, and the calves did not like it, and either did we, because we had to help with this. This was something we all dreaded on a Saturday. We got out there and dehorn the calves, and and. Uh, you know, we we tried to do it when they're younger, but if we put it off too long, it was hard. We you had to take the calf by the head. I don't have a cow here. Here, uh, so, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to show anyone. Okay, but you but basically put it in a headlock. You twist it, and when you did that, the cow would go flying, flapping down. The calf would flop down. You flop down with it. You're holding it. Then the, the other brothers, we'd all one of us would get the head and knock it down, and the rest of us would jump on top of it, sit on it, sit on it, and my dad would take this burning hot iron thing and and start burning. Burning, and just put it right over the horn. It was, you know, burning the hair and the bone and burning. And then after he, he, he thought it went down far enough, he'd pull it off and he'd push, knock off the nub, knock off that little horn, and then he would burn it some more. Because you had to go deeper, because if you didn't, it would grow back. And he would just keep burning deeper and deeper. Oh, this was not fun. Uh, later on, we some of the bigger ones was really hard, but later on he came up with this contraption. He should have marketed it, where these two boards would come together and hold the calf, and then we just kind of had to 
hold the head down and push down. But, but, but when we're sitting on it, I'll never forget, a couple of times, we were all sitting on this calf, and there's smoke everywhere. Oh, it, smelled, it smelled terrible. I can smell it right now. It's horrible. Uh, and, and, but sometimes the smoke, and us sitting on it, the, the calf would go into distress. He couldn't breathe, and he would, like, stop breathing. And we finish, and he just lay there, dead. My, you know, like dying, you know, like he's dead. And my dad's like, "Oh no!" And he made, you know, mouth. You know, he pulled the mouth over and start blowing it. He didn't touch. We didn't touch the lips. We didn't do it go that far. Right? We were blowing air into this calf, pumping his stomach. They all of a sudden it would get up groggy and stagger away. We we never lost one. That was a hundred dollar calf to us. That was a lot back, you know, fifty years ago, right? And, and we would save it, but but. The, the key was we had to burn that nub off, knock it off, and then burn it down farther because if we didn't, it would grow back. And sometimes they would grow back, and we'd have this cow with a kind of a deformed horn coming out of its head, and it was dangerous. It was, it was sometimes they'd curl back into the head to hurt them, but also sometimes they'd stick out and they could hurt someone else. And then we had to do something much worse. We had to put these nose rings in the cow, you know, this clamp in the cow's nose and tie it really tight. Oh, and then these like, like guillotine, basically, this really sharp tool to chop off that horn close to the head. And man, there was blood shooting everywhere. And my, we're throwing that whole, Hey, you're going to remember this. There's a reason for that. I'm coming back to it. Hey, we put this this powder, this this anti-bleeding powder onto the horn, and the cow's going crazy. And then we'd have to spray it because then the, the 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 flies would land on that bloody spot and lay maggots into the the bleeding part. All because all because that wasn't burned out properly. I'm coming back to all this because God does this spiritually. How is God disciplining us now? Will we confess and repent and then submit to his refining process? Will we let him burn it out? We've got to let him burn deep. We've got to let him burn it out. Or the discipline will be a lot worse later on. As bad as that burning is, it was a lot worse cutting that horn off. And that's in our life. We will, if we don't let God do this, we are going to hurt ourselves. The horn's going to grow back into our head and kill us. We're going to, or it's going to grow out. We're going to hurt other people. We're going to hurt our family and friends. You know how many times I've warned myself, but warned people, saying to somebody, some guy who's in sin, and I said, listen, God, you are, God is trying to get your attention. And if you don't listen right now, you are going to destroy your family. You're going to destroy your work at job. You're going to destroy everything you hold dear because you won't let God discipline this. And I, it's sad to say I can think of a handful of people that did not listen and did destroy everything. Some came back to me years later. I should have listened, Pastor Chuck. You told me exactly what was going to happen. I didn't tell you. I just read you the word of God. But I should have listened because I've lost everything. Everything. Will we let God deal with what needs to be dealt with? Will we let him burn it out, whatever it is? Now, back to condemnation. Back to condemnation. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if God doesn't condemn us, who does? I think you know. Revelation 12.9 and 10. Talking about end times, which could be very close. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, who leads the whole world, 
the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Here we go. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his, our, of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Did you catch that? The accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Satan accuses us night and day. Night and day. In God's face. Thankfully, someone else is sitting right next to God. Not in his face, but in his ear. You know who that is? Who's sitting next to Father God? Romans 8.34. In Romans 8.34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Day and night. Day and night. Yes, Father, they're a mess. That Chucky's a mess. Yes, he's a mess. But he's my mess. I died for this person. I, they're under my blood. He's saying that about us constantly. Constantly. Think about what God has to put up with because of our sin. That's why he convicts and disciplines us. He's sick of dragon breath, right? He's convicting and disciplining us. But as soon as we repent, his convicting voice stops. It's done. It's done. And then the Holy Spirit encourages us. The Bible teaches. He encourages us as God finishes his disciplining process. The Holy Spirit then, the, the conviction stops, and now it's the Holy Spirit is encouraging us as the, God the Father finishes his discipline process. He finishes disciplining us. And the Holy Spirit then is right there with us, in us. Listen, hang on, the horn is almost off. It's almost off. Okay, now, now, uh, now, now for the other one. <laughs> There's two horns. Now for the other one. You know, God's disciplining us. Okay, now it's got to go a little deeper to make sure we get the root of it out. Here's the discipline going deeper. And then after that, right when we think we can't take any more, the Holy Spirit breathes into us. Breathes into us to get us back up on our feet and moving again. That's how the Holy Spirit encourages us. But as he's doing this, and as soon as that's over and we're still a little wobbly, then Satan comes along and goes after us. He accuses us. He wants to keep us down. Just as the Holy Spirit's trying to breathe in and get us back on our feet, you know, that wobbly calf who passed out. He's, the Holy Spirit's trying to get us up, but Satan wants to knock us down. He wants to keep us off of our feet. He wants to keep us down. So he shames us. He shames us. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you thought that. I can't believe you wanted that. And God will never forgive that. Nobody here knows what I'm talking about. But just in case it ever happens, all right? And you can't be a Christian. It's impossible. You might as well give up. You, 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 you might as well give in and quit fighting. Because this is who you really are. That's who you really are. And oftentimes we believe that lie. We have to learn to discern. And often Satan uses other people to do his accusing, doesn't he? Many times those in our very family or friends, our family, uh, who know us the best, 
do this job. They will keep bringing up our past. They'll keep bringing up our past when they get mad at us. None of us have ever done this to anybody, have we? We, you know, we, when they get mad, why? Because when we bring up somebody's past, when we get mad at them, why? We haven't truly forgiven them, have we? Even though they've asked. And even though we said, okay, yeah, I know I should. But, we, but if someone does that to us, they haven't really, truly forgiven us. Or even joking. A lot of times it comes out as joking. There's little truth in every jest, right? But, but it's not funny. Because when they you know, bring up something that, that we did and they joke about it, it, it hurts. So that's why we should be careful. We shouldn't do that kind of joking, should we? It hurts. Just say to that person, if they ever joke with you like that, say, please don't ever bring that up again. Please don't ever bring that up again because God has forgiven me and forgotten it, and I'm trying to forget it too. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. They're gone in God's sight. Gone. There's another source of condemnation that I've got to mention before I move into the, the ending here, and that is self-condemnation. I talked about it last week. I'm going to say it again because I think some of us might struggle with that. Self-condemnation. This is when we do the devil's job for him. We beat ourselves up. No one else is doing it. We just beat ourselves up. We keep remembering something and beating ourselves up. And remember I talked about you know the guilt trips. One time I was preaching on this, and the woman came up to me after the service with her husband and said, you are talking about me. I'm always beating myself up, always doing that. And her husband already said, he said yeah, I tell her she should get a, a job as a, a tour guide for guilt trips. But we could all have that side hustle, couldn't we? We could all have that. It, we beat ourselves up. The problem with condemnation, whether it's ourself, whether it's Satan, whether it's others, the problem is that it acts as spiritual gravity. It pulls us down. It holds us down. It holds us back from who we are in Christ. Holds us back from who we are in Christ or who God wants us to be. And, and that's what Satan wants to do with condemnation. He, first of all, he doesn't want us to get saved. He doesn't want us to put our faith in Jesus. You can't be a Christian. That's not, that's not true. Or it can't be true of you. You can't become a Christian. Look at all the bad things you've done. Don't even go near church. Don't even go near that Bible. Don't even think God would accept. He tries to keep us from becoming a Christian. Does all kinds of things. But once we become a Christian, he can't. That's too late. He can't keep us out of heaven. We have our salvation. So he tries to keep us from our sanctification. He tries to, to keep us from moving forward. And so if he fails on the salvation part, he tries to keep us from our purpose. And that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to hold us back from reaching our purpose, our God-given purpose in Jesus Christ. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? It's vital that we learn to discern. Remember this. It's vital that we learn to discern the difference between God's conviction, which is good. We better hear that. The difference between God's conviction and condemnation, whether it's Satan or his helpers. And if it's Satan, we've got to learn. That's, that's the devil talking. That's not. And, and I, there's a saying, the next time Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Well, I would never say anything to the devil. But I will say this, the next time Satan remind, the devil reminds you of your past, remember his future. Remember his future. 
James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we have to learn the difference between God's conviction and the devil's condemnation, between conviction and our own inner voice of self-condemnation. We have to learn the difference. Vital to learn the difference, to discern between God's conviction and our own inner voice of self-condemnation. In, in Philippians 4, 8, it says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's what we have to focus on. Whatever is true and all the rest, this, 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 we have to focus on that. That's the key. That's the key is God's word. What's true? God's word to fight the lies, to fight the stinking thinking. That's the key is, is to memorize God's word, memorize God's word. And every time there's an accusation, answer with God's word. Use that to fight and renew our minds. Very, very important. Second Corinthians 10 verse five says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here we go. And we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, to his word, to his promises, to his truth. It's vital. We need to break the cycle. The stinking thing. We've got to break the cycle early, right when it first hits. Don't you? Break it early. Break the cycle. And start with Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, have this, memorize it, put it into a song, do something, have it ready. And if we discern, if we discern that God is, so we're fighting the condemnation, but if we do discern that God is convicting us, we confess it, we submit, we let him burn out the mess, right? If it really is God's voice, conviction, we, we repent, we submit, we let God burn out whatever he needs to burn out of our life. Very, very important to just learn to discern. If it's God's voice, to act on it. If it's not, fight against it. But, but know God's word. But maybe you're here today, before we go to prayer, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. Then you really are condemned. We all were condemned. We were all dead men walking. Dead women walking. Every one of us were condemned. If you're not a Christian, you will be judged. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, listen, you will be judged for eternity. Romans 3.36 says this. In Romans 3.36, he says, whoever believes, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be judged. But you don't have to be. You don't have to be. No matter who you are, what you've done, what shame you have, you don't have to be. Because you back up just a couple of verses. There's another verse that you might have heard a couple of times here. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
by putting our faith, our belief, not just in the head. The word believe there in the Greek means to, to put your total trust in. It's a heart trust. It's not a head knowledge. It's a complete trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can be set free through Jesus Christ. I remember many years ago now, I was at a, a friend's wedding party. He got married and he had a party back at the house. I think it was his parents' house. I'll never forget it. We were at the house and my, my buddy got married and we we're all having fun. I got sold out my high school friends. This was probably, boy, how long ago was this? Uh, 30 years ago. And I ran into someone at that party I hadn't seen since school. He was a doctor. He was a doctor and he used to do our physicals at the school. We all knew him well. He was a doctor in the community and he was actually one of my best friends. It was his dad, one of my friends' dad was this doctor and we got talking and he was older he was much much older he was he had the he was old and he was um he started talking to me and he, he heard i was a pastor and he wanted to talk to me about god and jesus and he starts talking to me we're surrounded by all these people having a great time they're all drinking and all that stuff and and he's and he starts talking about jesus and he was dialed in dialed in people kept coming up and saying hey chuck let's go blah blah, blah. Uh, no 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 he was like he came up to him doc doc you know you know his wife came up quit quit bothering chucky come on you know you know let's get come on come over here and he's you no know, he was dialed in his son came up my friend came up dad come on you know and he, we just were dialed in just kept talking and he was like i was a christian i put my faith in jesus but i I fell away. I just kind of ignored God. I didn't do anything evil. I just, just stopped connection with God, and, and I miss him. Would he take me back? Yes. Yes. The thief on the cross. Yes. And, and I, I shared with him John 3.16, and and he was like, I want to have my faith. I want to put my faith in Jesus once again. I'm not getting the theology once they all say, I'm not getting that. I'm just saying he knew he was not with God and he wanted to be, make sure he was with God. And, and he wanted to put his faith in Jesus again. And we finally wrapped it up. And I said, that's all you have to do. Just read put John 3, 16, put your faith in Jesus again. Repent, turn to Jesus. I did the, you know, the, the salvation message. And, and then we disconnected. He went his way, way. I went my way. We had the party. I went home. It was a short time later, a week, two weeks, very short time later, I get a call from my friend who had gotten married. He called me. He said, you won't believe what happened. Doc, the doc, I'm not going to say his last name, but doc died. Died. Can you believe that? And I'm like, I can I can. And I have this pile of verses that I, I've got. I've, I memorize a lot of verses. I thousands of verses. I've got piles. And I work through it little by little to review and keep fresh on it. And that, wouldn't you know, that very day, the top verse on my pile for that day was Romans 8.1. That day. Therefore, there is no, no, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I knew Doc was with Jesus. Let's pray.
do you know that you are right with God? Are you prepared for this life and the next life? There's only one way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you're sitting here or wherever you are listening to this and you know you're under condemnation. You're under God's judgment. But you don't have to stay there one second longer because you can put your faith. The Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. It happens in your heart, but I always encourage people to just pray a prayer of faith, to put an exclamation on it. The simple prayer of faith in God's word that, God, I repent. I confess my sin. Whatever I've done wrong in my life, I ask you to forgive me. I turn away from it. I don't want it. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. My faith in Jesus' death on that cross for me. His resurrection from the dead to give me a new life. I put my faith in. In him, I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just passed from judgment into life. From condemnation into God's conviction. You have a brand new life waiting for you in Jesus Christ. Your life will never be the same. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Text me. Email me. Or, or if you have a family member or a friend here, you, you can tell. Maybe you're out there and you have a friend at work who's been witnessing to you and praying for you or a grandmother or a family. Tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and help you grow in your new life in Jesus. And for those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit's convicting you because he needs to burn something out of your life. He needs to go deeper. Let him finish the job no matter how painful it is. Say, God, finish the job. Maybe you've been listening to the lies and you you say God help me to discern what is your Holy Spirit and what is Satan herself help me to discern I want to live free I want to move forward I want to drop the weight of shame I want you to fulfill your purpose in my life And as always, we have people in the back for prayer and I'm about where always anybody is here to help you work through those things. Father, I pray that every one of us 
And I know we all have a lot to be ashamed of. I pray that we could leave that at the cross and live free in Jesus. That we would know the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.